Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TELUS 2020 Q4 Earnings Conference Call. I would like to introduce your speaker, Mr. Robert Mitchell. Please go ahead. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Our fourth quarter 2020 results, news release, MD&A and financial statements, and detailed supplemental in- investor information were posted on our website this morning at telus.com investors. On our call today, we ha- will have remarks by Darren Entwistle, President and CEO, Jeff Purett, Executive Vice President and President and CEO of TELUS International, and Doug French, Executive Vice President and CFO. In the Q&A portion of our call, we will be joined by Zainal Mauji, President of Home Solutions, Jim Senko, President of Mobility Solutions, Francois Graton, Group President and Chair of TELUS Health and TELUS Quebec, and Tony Guerin, EVP and Chief Customer Officer. Darren will take the lead in the question session and allocate the questions out to our other speakers as appropriate. Briefly on slide two, this presentation and answers to questions contain forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties and made based on certain assumptions. Accordingly, actual performance could differ from statements made today, so we ask that you do not place undue reliance upon them. We disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking statements except as required by law. And we refer you to the risks and assumptions as outlined in our public disclosures, including fourth quarter and 2020 MD&A and filings of the Securities Commissions in Canada and the U.S. With that, over to you, Darren. Thanks, Ramirez, and hello, everyone. For 2020, TELUS once again achieved strong operational and financial results in both our wireline and wireless businesses. This is a trend the TELUS team has demonstrated over the longer term, and in 2020 realized against the backdrop of an unprecedented operating environment. Our performance in the fourth quarter and for the full year was characterized by our hallmark combination of robust, high-quality, and profitable customer growth alongside strong financial results. The quarter concluded another year of industry-leading customer net additions of 777,000, including an all-time record for annual wireline subscriber growth of 240,000. Thanks to decisive action and active cash management, our full-year cash flow of $1.435 billion was within the $1.4 to $1.7 billion range that we initially targeted back in February of 2020. This was achieved alongside 5.2% revenue growth and 0.2% EBITDA growth for the full year. These results were realized due to our team's resiliency, including a relentless focus on improving our cost structure whilst driving important growth opportunities to mitigate some of the downside pressures we were experiencing. Notably, TELUS was the only telecom provider amongst our national peers to report positive EBITDA growth for the year. Moreover, excluding the effects of COVID-19, we achieved EBITDA growth of 6% in 2020. Our industry-leading subscriber growth was driven by our team's passion for delivering outstanding customer experiences day in and day out. This in turn contributed to strong and enhanced client loyalty across all of our key product lines, including postpaid mobile phone, 
internet and TV churn, all achieving a below 1% churn rate in the fourth quarter and for the year. This performance was backed by our highly engaged team, world-leading wireless and fiber broadband networks, strong digital capabilities, and our superior service offerings. Let's take a look now at our wireless business. Fourth quarter network revenue decreased by 1% as our consistent focus on strong and profitable growth was offset by reduced roaming revenue. As a result, wireless EBITDA was down 1.1%, partially mitigated by an intense focus on cost management by the team. Doug's going to provide more detail on these financials in just a moment. For the fourth quarter, our team achieved 87,000 mobile phone net additions, up 17,000 over last year. In terms of connected devices, we realized strong net additions of 88,000, up 28,000 on a year-over-year basis, reflecting increased demand for our IoT solutions. Overall, wireless net additions inclusive of mobile phones and connected devices, were 175,000 in the quarter, which was up 45,000 over this time last year. Importantly, our team delivered another quarter of best-in-class loyalty results. Blended mobile phone churn was 1.09%, representing an 11 basis point improvement over the last year. Underlying this result, Postpaid churn of 0.93% was better by three basis points compared to a year ago. Indeed, 2020 represented our seventh consecutive year of industry-leading postpaid wireless churn below 1%. As a key factor in this achievement, the efficacy of our ongoing investments in our globally leading broadband networks continued to be evidenced by major independent reports again in 2020. By way of example, TELUS's wireless network was recognized by UK-based OpenSignal as the fastest in the world, and by US-based UCLA as the fastest and most expansive on a national basis. Both awards have now been received by TELUS for four consecutive years. In addition, for the second year in a row, Canadian-based Tatella placed TELUS first in respect of quality, latency, and download throughput for our wireless network on a national basis. Building on these accolades, TELUS was recently named Canada's most respected mobile service provider in a survey of Canadians from coast to coast conducted by UK-based Maru Blue. This recognition acknowledges TELUS's reputation across customer service excellence, our team culture, our contribution to our communities, our diversity and inclusiveness, and our overall brand trust. To close in our wireless results, ABPU and ARPU declined by approximately 3.7 and 3.4% respectively in the quarter. This of course reflects industry-wide pressure on roaming associated with pandemic-related restrictions and reduce travel. Partially mitigating this, we continue to thoughtfully migrate our base to our endless data plans. With more than 60% of rate plan changes in the quarter representing step ups or remaining flat, whilst holding the line on our premium brand ARPU. 
This does set us up nicely for the increased commercialization of 5G and the opportunity to lead innovation and increase productivity in areas such as healthcare, smart cities and smart buildings, home automation and digital life, and ag tech, whilst further monetizing our network investments across 5G and fiber. Turning now to our wireline results, where TELUS once again delivered a very strong quarter. Fourth quarter wireline revenues increased by 14% and EBITDA increased by 1.5%. These results reflect the increased contributions from TELUS's internet growth and home and business smart security technology, as well as growth from TELUS International, which I'm going to speak to in a moment, as will Jeff Purit. TELUS's wireline financials were driven by data revenue growth of 22% through a combination of higher revenues from our diverse portfolio of services and solutions, including robust growth in internet and third-wave data services, as well as a resilient performance from our TV offering. It also includes strong growth in home and business smart technology inclusive of security. It includes increased revenues from the hyperscaling of our virtual healthcare solutions. And finally, it includes resilient performance at TELUS International, thanks to our TI team, and it's inclusive of organic growth, as well as the successful Competence Call Center acquisition. Doug's going to provide more details on our wireline financial performance and the temporary COVID-related impacts that we've had to navigate but we've navigated them successfully. Looking at our robust customer expansion in Wireline, our company and our team achieved fourth quarter internet net additions of 44,000. This represents an increase of 16,000 additions on a year over year basis. This was buttressed by a churn rate below 1%, which alongside a solid double-digit percentage increase in monthly recurring revenue for new customer additions continues to bode well for future lifetime economics for our growing internet business. Also supported by churn being below 1%, we realized healthy TV net additions of 20,000, which represents a 5,000 increase over last year. Notably, residential voice line losses came in at 9,000 in Q4, representing yet another quarter below 10,000 and a 3,000 improvement again over last year. Furthermore, we delivered industry-leading growth in our security business with additions of 23,000 up 8,000 on a year-over-year basis. And this is a North American industry-leading result as it relates to the excellence of our security operations and the team delivering these great results. In summary, total wireline RGU net additions of 78,000 were up 32,000 year over year. This represents our best fourth quarter wireline loading on record. These results underscore the unique and attractive bundled offers available to customers across our superior product portfolio and our team's focus on leveraging the competitive differentiation that is truly inherent in our pure fiber network. 
In that regard, at the end of 2020, our pure fiber coverage stood at 81% of our high-speed broadband footprint, up from 70% at the end of 2019. This is a positive progression for 5G as well, given the potent synergies between the two technologies that I've talked about for so very long. Like our wireless network, our fiber network continues to receive important recognition from independent authorities. US-based PCMag ranked our pure fiber network as best for gaming in 2020, given the symmetry and the quality of the network, and they named TELUS the fastest internet service provider on a national basis. At a time when the speed, quality, and expansiveness of our networks has become more important than ever for Canadians, these recognitions, both for our wireless and wireline broadband networks, are particularly resonant. I'm deeply grateful to the entire TELUS team for the exceptional grit they've demonstrated during an exceedingly challenging year and the way that their talent and commitment came to the forefront. Indeed, at the outset of the pandemic, many customer-facing team members were redeployed to support our clients virtually or pivoted to provide assistance remotely or through virtual installations and repairs. As a result, we avoided team member departures and continued to deliver outstanding customer experiences during the most challenging of times. This was evidenced by our industry-leading customer loyalty rates and by earning an industry-leading score of 75% in respect of consumers' likelihood to recommend Telus's products, recommend our services, and recommend our people. And when we talk about industry-leading on the customer service excellence front, it goes beyond national to global. Our team's ability to consistently earn enhanced customer loyalty and drive profitable growth over the longer term provides us with confidence in delivering on the 2021 targets that we announced today on the back of strong fourth quarter and 2020 operational and financial performance delivered by our team. This includes industry-leading 2021 revenue and EBITDA growth of up to 10 and 8% respectively, alongside free cash flow of approximately $1.5 billion that we're targeting in 2021. Whether it's revenue or EBITDA or cash flow, clearly the financial parameters for TELUS are compelling, compelling today, retrospectively, and prospectively. These objectives will be buttressed by smart broadband network investments and our highly differentiated and potent asset mix in combination with a strong balance sheet to support sustainable long-term growth. Furthermore, the unparalleled skill and innovation of our dedicated team underpins our industry-leading multi-year dividend growth program now, although it's hard to believe, in its 11th year and targeting annual growth between 7 and 10% through 2022. Finally, I'd like to address our recent IPO of TELUS International, which we successfully completed last week with TI embarking upon its next journey as a publicly traded company on both the Toronto and New York stock exchanges. 
This was undoubtedly a monumental achievement for our team, notably establishing an important growth currency for TI's continued global expansion with a market capitalization of more than $10 billion. It was indeed an historical accomplishment, representing the largest technology IPO in TSX history and one of the largest IPOs in the history of Canadian capital markets with total aggregate proceeds of almost $1.5 billion. Proudly, this also represented the fulfillment of an important aspirational goal for me personally, to achieve an enterprise value for TI exceeding the $8 billion market cap of TELUS two decades ago when we first embarked on our national growth strategy really is a fulfillment of an ambition. And when the progeny can outgrow the origins of the parent, there's something meaningful and poetic about it. Congratulations to the team in that regard. This significant value creation reflects the steadfast focus of both TELUS and the TI teams in emulating the parameters of TELUS's success. Over the last 15 years, TI has evolved into a digital customer experience innovator that harnesses the power of technology to provide truly outstanding customer and community experiences on a global basis. With TELUS retaining a controlling interest and a 55% economic stake, we remain extremely confident in TI's future as it continues to drive better business outcomes and grow value for all shareholders. Jeff will talk more about TI in just a minute. TI's success story reinforces the efficacy of our strategy of organic growth, well-executed, complemented by selective, thoughtful acquisitions as we look to build scale in exciting emerging growth businesses like TELUS Health, TELUS Security, and TELUS Agriculture, evolving them into tremendous assets of consequence in the future. Our integrated and broad portfolio of data technology solutions within these growth verticals, combined with a strong financial growth profile, further enhances the highly differentiated value that we are creating for our investors. On that note, earlier this week, TELUS announced a strategic alliance with Google Cloud to co-innovate on new services and solutions that support digital transformation within key industries, including communications technology, healthcare, agriculture, security, and our connected home solutions. This 10-year collaboration will accelerate TELUS's network innovation initiatives and our digital transformation journey, enabling further operational agility and truly enhanced customer experiences that differentiate us from the competition in a way that's meaningful for our customers. This announcement came to fruition in large part due to the strong partnership TELUS International and Google have enjoyed over the past decade. Notably, our international team has provided complex, next-generation digital IT and customer experience solutions to Google, while they, in turn, have helped to drive TI's digital evolution. TELUS's strategic partnership with Google will propel our digital leadership whilst amplifying our customers' first priority, redefining how service is delivered in Canada and globally. 
in a year like no other, as we manage through the ongoing global pandemic, the TELUS team continued to do good in the communities where we live, work, and serve as citizens. We expanded our TELUS Health for Good program with the launch of seven new mobile health clinics in 2020 and an additional two clinics in January of 2021, bringing our total to 13 mobile clinics nationwide. Throughout 2020, our mobile clinics supported 28,000 patient visits, including administering 12,700 COVID-19 assessments and tests. Furthermore, our TELUS family contributed $85 million, and perhaps more importantly, from our hearts, 1.25 million hours of volunteerism to charitable and community organizations in 2020. Our team's leadership in social capitalism was once again recognized on a global basis, with TELUS ranking 54th on the Corporate Knights 2021 Global 100 Most Sustainable Corporations Index for the ninth time, making TELUS the highest ranking telco or cable co in North America. These are outstanding achievements, and I remain exceedingly proud of and grateful for the entire TELUS team. On that positive note, Jeff, I'll hand the call over to you to talk more about the exciting progress at TI and how brilliant the future you have. Thanks very much, Darren, and hello, everyone. It is indeed a very exciting time for the entire TELUS International team with our successful IPO last week on both the New York and Toronto stock exchanges. February 3rd marked an historic milestone in our company's decade and a half long journey from a single delivery location in the Philippines to a globally scaled digital customer experience leader operating in over 20 countries around the world. The success of our IPO was a validation of our long-term digital strategy, our focus on customer service excellence and our internationally recognized social purpose impact making TI, as Darren just mentioned, the largest tech IPO in TSX history. My heartfelt gratitude goes out to our 50,000 highly engaged team members around the world, our more than 600 valued clients, and of course, to TELUS and to Bearing Private Equity Asia for their guidance and unwavering support. As a leading innovator that designs, builds, and delivers next-gen solutions for global and disruptive brands, TELUS International has a unique approach to combining digital transformation and CX capabilities across the full customer experience value chain. Our highly engaged global team continued to execute very well in Q4. Our ability to leverage our carrier-grade infrastructure to help bring our differentiated culture to life in a virtual environment has been a source of our strengths. As a result, TELUS International has proven to not only be resilient through the prolonged pandemic, but we've also demonstrated our ability to continue growing our business. In connection with our IPO, TI disclosed preliminary results for 2020, which highlighted our performance. With estimated 2020 revenues of approximately 1.6 billion US dollars, representing year-over-year growth of circa 15%, and adjusted EBITDA margins of circa 24%, TI is expected to report strong year-end results for 2020 when compared against 2019 on a pro forma basis, including our CCC acquisition. 
Worth noting here, these impressive results do not include our recent Lionbridge AI acquisition, a leading global data annotation business fueling AI algorithms for the world's largest technology companies. This acquisition closed on December 31st, and integration is well underway. In this regard, I'd also like to take a moment to welcome our newest team members into the TI family. I am so excited about our combined capabilities, including the natural adjacencies that exist within our trust and safety practice in particular. Indeed, we are continuing to define a new category at the intersection of digital IT and digital customer experience. And we expect to amplify and accelerate our go-to-market strategy through demonstrable scale, proven digital capabilities, and a differentiated culture. Let me now turn the call over to Doug for a detailed update on TELUS's Q4 financial results. Doug, <clears throat> over to you. Thank you, Jeff, and hello, everyone. Consistent with our prior quarterly results, we continue to deliver on high-quality subscriber growth with mobile phone net addition up close to 25% over last year. More importantly, the mix of our customer base continues to shift towards our premium TELUS postpaid brand. And more and more, our customers are choosing peace of mind unlimited data plans. We continue to ensure we get the most out of our cash COA and COR spend, including reducing traditionally non-recoverable subsidy and obtaining a reasonable economic payback within the customer's contract term. This consistent and thoughtful approach has and will continue to benefit our financial position as evidenced by our leading financials, including strong network revenue trends. Additionally, the quality of our loading is enhanced by the bundling of our mobility and home offerings, contributing to high customer loyalty. Network revenue declined 1%, including the impact of 63 million related to lower roaming revenue. Excluding this impact, our network revenue would have grown by more than 3%, reinforcing the quality of our loading profile, but more importantly, the quality of our subscriber base. Our current assumption is that roaming recovery will begin slowly in the second half of 2021. However, the roaming recovery will be largely dependent on the pace of the global vaccine rollout and the easing of travel restrictions, notably between Canada and the U.S., and we expect this will not be in a full recovery until 2022 at the earliest. Mobile phone ARPU declined 3.4%, representing sequential improvements from 5% decline in Q3 and a 5.8% decline in Q2. The trend is aligned with our high-quality loading and customer mix over the past 12 to 24 months. When excluding the roaming impact, ARPU would have grown by approximately 0.6%. Our Q4 wireless adjusted EBITDA declined 1.1%, reflecting the flow through of the lower roaming revenue. This result represents a stable and sequential improvement from Q3 and Q2. Wireline revenue increased by 14% year over year and wireline adjusted EBITDA growth of 1.5% remained in line with the previous quarter. These results reflect continued strong performance from acquisitions as well as our organic growth across our business. Related to the acquisitions, we're also working through some near-term J-curve impacts as we look 
to integrate and elevate the value of our recent acquired assets across TELUS Health and TELUS Agriculture. While we saw some recovery in Q3 and into Q4, we continue to see temporary impacts on some of our business customers as they navigate their own pandemic-related headwinds. In addition, we've had to absorb the impact uh, to TELUS Health and earlier in the year to TELUS International Operations on temporary site closures and restricted access. With the strong customer growth in both segments that we have spoken about, there's also upfront costs associated with that. However, we encourage by the underlying trends with improving monthly revenue and, uh, for both new uh, and, and renewing customers and increased product intensity across all our product sets. And as always, we are relentlessly focused on strong cost containment initiatives across organizations. On a consolidated basis, Q4 revenue grew 5.2%, bringing our full year revenue growth to 5.5. And on a consolidated adjusted EBITDA showed a slight decline of 0.2% in Q4, but our full year adjusted EBITDA was up 0.2%. Late free cash flow for the quarter was up more than 60%, while for the full year, free cash flow totaled $1.435 billion, an impressive accomplishment uh, without making any sacrifices to our capital expenditures. I'm pleased to say that we achieved the revised expectations that we set in our Q2 2020 release, which was made at a time when there was a significant doubt on where the economy was going. Our consolidated targets announced today reflect the confidence we have in our business. These targets are underscored by the consistent strategy and superior execution. We'll continue to drive economically accretive loading, which will support positive financial outcomes and sustainable cash flow. As well, we're excited about the growth profiles of our unique asset mix and product offerings. With the potential for heightened wireless uh, consumer activity in 2021, we currently estimate an increased cash requirement of approximately $200 million related to device activations and upgrades, as we estimated there was deferral during the pandemic. As this represents a cash outflow, our free cash flow definition reflects the impact of that working capital. As previously announced, our 2021 capital expenditures are expected to remain within line of 2020. With regards to our leverage, we remain committed to investment-grade credit ratings, and we are confident uh, and consistent on our track record with our growth strategy, including participating in upcoming spectrum auctions, and we will continue to produce strong free cash flow. Importantly, We'll continue to work towards delevering over time, primarily through EBITDA growth, along with the proceeds from the IPO of TELUS International, and in the near term, continued free cash flow growth. Before we move to the Q&A period, I just want to provide an update on our uh, reporting changes that are coming uh, later in the year. I've spoken about this in the past, and we are transitioning to new reporting segmentation to align with how we manage our business and how our business is evolving. One segment will represent TELUS International and the other segment will capture the rest of TELUS. In the upcoming weeks and subsequent to TI reporting its financial results for the year, 
We will provide a revised IR supplement to demonstrate how we will how this will look, including the past eight quarters of historical information to help the transition. This disclosure will also help with any definition differences between TELUS and TELUS International and the treatment of intercompany balances. With that, let me turn it back to Robert to begin the Q&A. Thank you, Doug. Mihai, can you proceed with the question period, please? Of course. Um, first question comes from Aravinda Galapetige from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Uh, one for Darren and one for Doug, please. So for, for Darren, obviously with the, um, you know, the, the growth that we're seeing in TI, TH, and the acquisitions you've made on the ag tech side, that portion, that, let's call it the high growth portion of the business, is, is sort of developed to a meaningful part of revenue and EBITDA, you know, tracking towards low to mid-teens, depending on how you estimate it. And one can argue, you know, tracking towards 20% on a value basis, given what the market values are for these assets. Um, is there, as we kind of look at TELUS sort of breaking away from the rest of the their peers on that front, are there any medium to long-term targets that you have in mind uh, for the combination of these two components in terms of the, their mix within the overall um, TELUS consolidated numbers? Because obviously that has implications for the, the stock and valuations down the line. And then if I may just ask the question from Doug straight away as well, Obviously, with the reporting changes, Doug, that you're talking about, um, you know, it gets a little bit difficult to discern uh, profitability around wireline as well as sort of free cash flow generation on legacy wireline. Now that we have a sense of what TI is, um, there's obviously a lot of moving pieces with ag tech and some of the other items you talked about. How can we get a sense as to uh, how TELUS is achieving sort of some of the wireline margin improvements that... Um, that the company has set for itself uh, over the last uh, over the last couple of years. Thank you. Okay, thanks for uh, the question. To be explicit about it, in terms of are there medium to longer term targets uh, that I have for uh, our Telus Health business, our agriculture business, and our security uh, business? Um, yes, uh, there are uh, quite explicitly, uh, actually. Uh, secondly, uh, those targets are clearly you know, not something uh, I'm going to disclose uh, within uh, this forum. Uh, they're competitively uh, sensitive, um, but they are uh, specific um, and they are ambitious. I think it's also perhaps maybe helpful uh, to the street that you can draw inference from what's happened with TELUS International, with the milestone culmination of the IPO, uh, and then what we're going to do prospectively to support significant future growth, leveraging the transaction currency that we've just uh, established. Whilst there are some differences between TI and health and ag and security, uh, there's a tremendous number of similarities uh, between the two. Uh, and I think you can draw inference from what's transpired at at TI uh, in terms of what it portends for our emerging growth businesses uh, prospectively. To give you some detail um, behind it, uh, as it relates to health, agriculture, and security, um, my 
medium to longer term goals are all about profitable scale. So it's value creation centered around profitable scale to build tremendous assets of consequence within those businesses. And that's what we're setting out to do with a very specific game plan in that regard. The other thing that is, I think, more and more clear to people is the synergistic nature um, of TELUS Corporation's focus on technology and data-centric digital strategies that are getting imparted to our emerging growth assets on the health, the ag, and the security front. Uh, It's all about our digital progression. And then lastly, the form that bringing these particular emerging growth businesses to fruition into the value-centric assets of consequence that I've just articulated, it gives us tremendous optionality, uh, and not just um, in the future, but currently, uh, in terms of how we can leverage uh, those assets, their, their growth profiles, uh, their makeup, in servitude to the growth ambitions that we have for them along the way, be it uh, organic, uh, be it third-party partnerships, Uh, or be it uh, acquisitions, uh, to create the right composition of capabilities uh, on a global basis that's going to support the growth profile that we would all like to see. So that's that's the mentality here. And the only thing I would add to close is that we will be giving uh, the street increasing insights into our health um, and ag uh, businesses and security uh, as well Um, as uh, the 2021 year uh, unfolds um, and beyond that uh, into 2022. Uh, And we'll start uh, with uh, an examination uh, of our health business uh, and its parameters in greater detail um, in the month of May, and then we'll follow up on the ag front uh, and security front uh, thereafter. But to have that optionality, that differentiated optionality that's so synergistic with our technology and data strategy is key. Doug, I'll let you uh, finish off. Uh, Thank you, Darren. Uh, Yeah, so we will be continuing to show, um, I call it, very relevant and key metrics so that um, analysts and and shareholders alike will be able to do a proper and effective assessment of the value proposition that TELUS is generating across our multiple product sets. Um, So within um, the, the... reporting stream for, for you know, telecom, for a better term at the moment, um, we would include still, you know, uh, ARPU loading and key metrics, um, which to Darren's point will also include uh, metrics on, on health care and, and uh, ag tech over time. Um, we could be including revenue and gross margin for certain of those product sets as well, um, and uh, that would be very direct. To, to the product offerings in which we're delivering. And so as we roll that out, you'll be getting more um, and you know, consistent approach um, for, for those uh, reporting streams. With the convergence of broadband and, and when you think through how we deliver our services, there is a point where a lot of the cost structure that you have below those product sets and those product deliveries become allocations. Um, and as we go through and deliver the best broadband service to Canadians, irrespective of the, the wireless and wire or wireline old categorization, um, that we are going to deliver it and we're going to have the best customer service and the best, best networks either way. Um, so 
uh, we will then just show um, that consolidated telecom uh, segment for, for conclusion. Um, but the KPIs will give you what you need to be able to do a formal assessment of the value drivers. And what the delineation on the CapEx front on fiber, 5G, and digital means specifically to our emerging businesses on health, ag, and security? Thank you. That's helpful. I'll pass the line. All right. Of course. Uh, next, we have a question from Drew McReynolds from RBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Just uh, two for me. Uh, first on uh, the mobile connected devices that you began disclosing, you're, you're kind of closing in on about 2 million of them, obviously another strong quarter. Uh, I guess, uh, Darren, starting off with you, can you maybe give a little more granularity as to how the loading mix has evolved, that the base of devices by type has evolved? Are you able to help us out on you know, any service revenue impacts? Uh, and then second question on the agreement with Google, um, you know, really kind of reads very interesting, still trying to assess the magnitude of this. So could you flush it out a little bit more in terms of specifically where it is unique uh, relative to uh, your Canadian peers or, or maybe even North American peers? Thank you. Jim, why don't you take the first part um, and then Tony, you and Zainal uh, can finish off uh, with some color on Google, and uh, I'll mop up thereafter. Sounds good. So um, in the connected devices portfolio, um, we're seeing um, more of a mix towards IoT-type connections. Um, in fact, this quarter, our uh, tablet net loading uh, declined slightly. Um, so on the IoT front, um, you know, it's everything from, you know, transportation to enabling home security. Um, so a wide variety of IoT applications, um, you know, the installation of modems, smart hubs, and, and um, specialized devices. Um, this category uh, is growing, and it's going to become more and more important as 5G rolls out, um, as we'll start to see even more applications happening with low latency and um, you know and, and also this category is going to really help accelerate the investments we're making in ag tech and in health. Uh, in terms of uh, service revenue um, I, I don't want to give an exact number but you know suffice to say these are lower ARPU connections but very high margin because you don't have uh, any device subsidy um, and um, and you know very little cost to support them, so it's very accretive from a margin perspective, and and as it's growing, it's becoming more material on our poop. Tony, thanks, Darren and Hydro. Um, yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about the the Google relationship as it's evolving. Um, over the latter half of last year, Google reached out and, and asked if Telus would be interested in participating in their Google Digital Transformation Partnership Program. And we set up two joint executive teams through Q4 to do some due diligence on what this would look like. Can we follow a structured framework that Google have? They 
They conduct about maybe 12 of these partnerships annually with global uh, leading players that have an alignment in culture, in aspirations to transform uh, segments of an industry or an industry to deliver beneficial consumer or customer outcomes uh, and, and drive some social good. And uh, so the two executive leadership teams work, were working through Q4 to construct a framework that would create a number of swim lanes of activity where we would co-create and uh, capabilities that would transform one, our telecom uh, business, as well as uh, putting more fuel into the fire on and the transformation we're already well under the way on. And as you can see by our results throughout 2020, despite massive channel disruption, our digital capabilities allowed us to drive peer, peer best performance on, on customer loading. Um, it also allows us to focus on some of the exciting new growth areas that Darren articulated, uh, particularly around the ag tech and the health space where uh, Google's ability to drive uh, digital transformation, uh, leveraging their data analytics capabilities, along with our combination of smart assets can bring together some really transformative uh, outcomes that will propel the global um, capabilities that we want to deliver particularly in ag tech and in health. Um, so we think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, we co-committed co for a 10-year um, arrangement where we will invest substantively, both parties, uh, but we expect to see a four to 10 times investment return uh, as we power those areas of focus into driving go-to-market initiatives that will deliver value for both organizations. Zane, or maybe you'd like to top up on some of the specific TELUS-related capabilities that you're focused on. Thanks so much, Tony. So I think we are all incredibly excited about the opportunities to co-develop and transform our core businesses and our emerging businesses through leveraging the assets that Google can bring to the table. If you look at our home solutions environment and the way in which we are driving digital life experiences, leveraging our superior pure fiber and mobile networks, we're working to think about all of the solutions a customer might need to enhance their efficiency and effectiveness uh, in the home and, and out of the home. And if you look at the transformation that COVID has driven in that context, there are numerous opportunities to uh, drive improvements across different services when you look at healthcare or security and automation or the evolution of IoT. We've demonstrated that we are already an aggregator of choice uh, and, and we have platforms to deliver that, such as in our unique and differentiated TV environment. And now we want to take that to the next level and think about a more data-driven personalization and digitization of all of our activities uh, so that we can drive better experiences for our customers. So we're really excited about that co-development partnership. And we're excited about the fact that the uh, core capabilities Tony referenced are going to unleash some cost efficiency and other uh, accretive economics so that we can invest in that innovation. And this builds on the long-term significant strategic partnership that's been existing and deeply fruitful for both organizations between TELUS International uh, and Google. And, and that really has provided the foundation for us taking the next step in this relationship at the TELUS Corp level. Thank you.
Thank you. Question. All right. Thanks, Drew. Um, next question comes from Vince Valentini from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I would like to try to clarify and clean up a couple of things that have already been discussed and then a big picture question for, for Darren. Um, just on the last one on Google, can, can you just clarify, is, is there anything here that pigeonholes you into having to deal with Google exclusively? Because I think one of your competitors has done some kind of partnership with AWS and other ones announced something with Azure. Does this mean everybody sort of picks their, their hyperscaler partner and moves forward, or do you still have flexibility to deal with anybody you want when it comes to the new world of 5G and whatever other services. So that's one clarification. Another, Doug, I'm, I'm not sure if you're you're circling around a little bit, but can you be specific? I mean, will we see TELUS Health as one of the line items that we'll, we'll get revenue for on a consistent basis starting uh, when you move to the new reporting, assuming that's, that's in Q1, or is it still going to be somewhat anecdotal on TELUS Health disclosure as, as it's been in in the past. Um, and then the bigger picture question for you, Darren, uh, it, phenomenal. You, I think you've achieved faster than I expected and maybe faster than you expected to have TELUS International, you know, market cap be higher than what the original TELUS BCTEL merged company was way back when you, when you took over. So kudos to you on that. I will remind you, I think you said at the time that that's one of your objectives to achieve before you'd even think about moving on and, uh, and seeing who would succeed you to, to run this fine company. So I'm wondering if you can close that circle for us. Does this mean you're getting close to thinking about passing the reins, or do you still have a lot of uh, several years of life uh, left in you? Uh, that would be great to get your perspectives. Thanks. That, thanks for that description, uh, Vince, of uh, several years of life um, <laughs> left in me. <laughs> um, so in terms of the question with Google, uh, no, it's not uh, exclusive. Uh, no, we're not uh, pigeonholed um, by that. Um, you know, uh, there are ecosystem considerations um, that are important for us in terms of uh, having the flexibility that we need. Um, but I would say the opportunity with uh, Google uh, is enormous, um, and we've got a, a great track record uh, to date to build upon uh, with TI. Uh, that's been tremendously beneficial for both uh, TELUS International uh, and Google. Um, and we're excited uh, by the value uh, that we can create. You know, we've put a, a target of, you know, $800 million of, of value creation uh, through this uh, partnership, and we think the strategic fit uh, on the digital front between uh, both organizations uh, is tremendously uh, compelling and synergistic. Um, and, you know, um, serendipitous in a way. Uh, if you look at uh, the focus on health, um, there's a commonality. Focus on ag, uh, there's a commonality. If you look at the focus on the automated uh, home and the digital life within the home, uh, there's a terrific commonality um, as it relates to what TELUS is ingesting uh, internally uh, at the network uh, and the IT level. We're already going uh, through this digital uh, transformation, so we're really bending into the momentum uh, in that regard. And so, you know, we think there's a huge amount uh, of value to be uh, created uh, here, uh, and we like the symmetry uh, in the relationship, uh, the reciprocity on a, on a back-and-forth basis. This is uh, not something that, that's, that's asymmetric when you look at what uh, Google and TI have been doing all along. So uh, that's that. Uh, I'll um, let you uh, get Doug to answer the next question uh, before I 
uh, think up a good um, final answer to your third question. <laughs> um, so we are, uh, Darren and I are finalizing the KPIs that we will, um, we will put through on and show on Q1. Um, revenue is on the page um, as a discussion of uh, a relevant KPI that we would uh, consider showing for health, um, but it's still to be finalized in addition to obviously other KPIs that are very relevant, such as um, you know, uh, any of the, the virtual care type uh, measures that would be uh, needed to assess the success over the long run. So uh, we will we'll come back more formalized when Darren and I have locked on that, but definitely is part of our discussion on relevant metrics that we think uh, analysts and shareholders would want to know to be able to do a proper assessment of organization, um, uh, and especially the, the health and ag areas, which are um, different than our typical, uh, typical offerings. My answer is yes. Darren, please let Doug disclose it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to answer your question specifically, Vince, um, to be fair when I, I gave uh, that uh, particular view on what I wanted to get done, uh, there were five uh, parameters uh, that I set out. Um, uh, TI uh, was, was one of them, but there were another four that I'd like to get uh, done while I can still uh, add value. Uh, and I'm fortunate because, you know, the, the quality of this uh, leadership team is, is really second to none. So, uh, you know, I don't want to clog the, the arteries, but um, my commitment at, at, at TELUS right now is is for a uh, a, a multi-year um, longer term. Uh, so to be very specific uh, uh, about it. Uh, secondly, um, in terms of what I'd like to get uh, accomplished, which I think is exciting for investors. So you know, not what's you know so much what's relevant to me, but what's relevant to the investment community. Uh, you know, I would like to uh, do with health, ag, and security. Uh, some semblance of what we've done uh, with with TI. Um, I you know I won't be satisfied until we we realize uh, that particular uh, outcome. Uh, secondly, uh, I want to work and support uh, Jeff and his talented team uh, for the other shoe to fall on on TI. Um, you know th this is a as I said in my remarks a, a milestone, uh, not an end game on the TI growth strategy, uh, and I think there's huge potential. Uh, still to be realized, and you know we want to lead the world, and that's always been our orientation. And I, I really do believe the best is is yet to come uh, as it relates to uh, TI growth and, and value creation. And uh, I would like to try and uh, help out uh, with that. Uh, the other thing that's critical for me is uh, I would really like to complete the fiber uh, and the 5G journey, um, and that would let me rest easy uh, because with that broadband infrastructure. Uh, in place at a near ubiquitous level, uh, it really does institutionalize our competitive advantage at TELUS and set us up for all the value that we can create from new services and all the cost that we can take out of our business because of the efficiencies and the economies of scope of fiber and 5G uh, technology. And so, you know, getting that done will, you know, let me, you know, rest easy. Uh, the, the second to last thing is customer service. We're not done on the customer service excellence front. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's great to have the leadership. You know, I want to extend uh, that leadership uh, position. And there's two attributes uh, to that. Um, one is what we can do with our culture. 
And the second is what we can do with everything from our digital capability set to process engineering and automation. And, and I would, I'd like to put a tick in, in, that, in that box. And then um, the last thing is, um, and maybe it's a, a little bit of the Canadian in me, but wouldn't it be great um, if we could get to the point where the perception marries up with the reality that we are the world leader when it comes to social capitalism? There's no organization uh, that puts the words to work like we do in terms of to do well in business, we need to make a difference and do good in our communities. Um, and that's what we do day in and day out. Um, and to amplify that uh, on a global level um, and drive that perception home so it marries up with the reality is the, the final thing I'd like to do. So that's, that's what I'm up to and, and hopefully that's very relevant to investors uh, in terms of value creation. That's awesome. Thank you. I'll pass it back to Ramirez. <laughs> All right. Um, so next we have a question from David McFadgen from um, Cormark Securities. Please go ahead. Well, hi. A couple of questions, if I may. I was wondering, if, um, just on your guidance, if you could give us the breakdown between TELUS and TELUS International. So when you look at, say, the revenue growth, 8 to 10%, would, say, 6% be from TI and the balance from TELUS, if you can give us those kind of parameters. And secondly, just on the fiber build, so you finished 2020 at 81% of your footprint. What's the target uh, for the end of, say, 21? And then I don't know if you can provide this, but I was just wondering what percent of your broadband footprint that is not covered by fiber overlaps with Shaw. I was just wondering on that front. Thanks. Okay, Doug. Um, uh, given the, the the sensitive nature of uh, TI right now, I'll, I'll let you um, handle the, the first part of the question, uh, and then the second part of the question, uh, Tony and Zainal, uh, as it relates to our fiber build and and what it means uh, to our go-to-market capability. I'll ask you to address that, and and maybe with that expansiveness of the fiber build. Francois, you could comment on what it's going to mean uh, to our health business to have that broadband uh, underpinning um, and what it means to uh, our ag business as well. So uh, on the first one, uh, TI is going to be releasing its final results um, in, in the next 10 days, give or take. Um, and so I will not be breaking out TI or TELUS um, from a, a guidance perspective at this stage. And uh, when, when TI is um, ready to put out its own guidance, it will do that, and the split will be more evident. Um, the only thing is we break out um, the segmentation discussions. We do need to remind you uh, that when TI discloses, it will include revenue from TELUS. Uh, TELUS's disclosures uh, do not have that because of the segmentation eliminations that will happen on a consolidated basis. So as we do the um, the multiple disclosures um, we will uh, definitely help get the uh, elimination entries right along the way. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to when uh, TI is ready to, to give it, uh, its guidance back to the street for that purpose. Thanks, Doug. Tony, Daniel, Francois? Thanks. Thanks, Darren. Um, David, when we set out on the, on the Pure Fiber build, we, we assessed the market opportunity relevant to our, back then in 2013, our broadband infrastructure as it existed. 
and we set a scope out that we would get to circa 89-90% coverage of, of our, our wildline footprint. As we've gone through the last seven years and the build has been extremely successful for us in driving market share leadership in HSIA and uh, rapid catch-up on TV where we were, we were by far and away a, a, a smaller party to the market. Um, we've, we've, we've expanded the, the view of where is addressable as we've developed our techniques. We've also encompassed where we can leverage uh, well-managed federal and provincial funding schemes to drive economically viable extension builds to more rural and remote communities. So there's a kind of a bit of a moving target as to what the end state looks like. Suffice to say, where there is opportunity to build over our legacy brownfield uh, copper infrastructure, we have plans to do that where it makes sense. We've, uh, everywhere we've gone, we've seen that that makes a, a significant transformation in our market share position and drives uh, an unassailable position relative to other networks that aren't fiber to the premise. And uh, they may say fiber somewhere, but they're not fiber to the premise. And that our customers clearly recognize as a value prop. So we will continue to invest where it makes sense. And we have a plan to, to roll out uh, those to those remaining footprint areas uh, as we go forward over this year and, and beyond. But uh, the substantive investment is behind us. And now it's really targeted focus build where we see great opportunity. Zainal, I'll pass to you. Thanks, Tony. Uh, maybe two top-ups. I'll add a little bit of color uh, where we compete and, and a little bit of color of where we don't, actually. So we certainly know that quarter over quarter, more new and existing customers are choosing the superiority of pure fiber. I think that's indicative in our results. We're also seeing that, of course, they're deciding to take higher speed tiers and more integrated video packages, as well as our distinctive offers around security and automation, notably consumer health, and cybersecurity as well. And of those latter three portfolios, security and automation, online security, and consumer health during the, pandem during the pandemic, not only are these services unique and differentiated to the competition, but they're offered nationally and they're also offered uh, in areas where we don't compete head-to-head. -head. And they're the fastest, we're seeing the fastest customer growth in the country across these three portfolios. So our pure fiber network investments have continued to deliver great results. We have double-digit ARPU growth for new customers that we added in Q4 relative to last year. We have industry-leading churn and product intensity. And we also have a lower cost to serve and a path to digitization. So a triple play customer delivers about five times the lifetime revenue of a single play customer. And the lifetime value of a fiber customer has, is up 80% year over year. That's where we compete head to head. We also have a very strong and significant wireless high-speed offering. And we continue to offer the same capabilities in terms of product intensity and bundling and realize the same capabilities from a perspective of our superior customer service and our digitization. So we see a tremendous uh, growth opportunity and accretive economics on our wireline segment across both these portfolios. And we also see significant expansion and are excited about the speed and adoption of our expanding services in the security and automation, consumer health, and the, uh, and the cybersecurity portfolios. Zainal, and just, uh, David, one, one last top-up. 
as we expand our fiber footprint, this is obviously very synergistic to our 5G ambitions because everywhere we're placing fiber to the premise, we're pro providing fibers available for our small cell and 5G coverage. And I think this gives us a critical um, competitive advantage in the areas we've built uh, relative to our competition. Yeah, and Tony, that's probably certainly true um, in health and agriculture. If you think about where we're pushing in the future and, and working hard on right now in terms of digitizing the patient provider experience, introducing new layers of bio and imaging analytics, or taking virtual care from what it is today, more of a consultation, primary care, mental health care, or allied care perspective, down to new use cases in the future where you actually see medical interventions being done over um, either you know your fiber connectivity or as Tony rightly said um, in in more rural aspects uh, over 5g connectivity in the, in the in the future similarly in, in agriculture uh, you're seeing the um, advent of soil sampling weather monitoring um, capabilities that that cannot be uh, done at their um, you know, utmost point without connectivity, but even more in the future, you see things like uh, precision agriculture uh, allowing us to be able to assess the quality of what's going on at the plant level and, and have the, the farming community do better uh, intervention in, in terms of chemical spread in, in their more uh, reduced fashion, uh, again, down to the plant level. So both in health and ag, you can't do this without you know, an underlying first-grade telecommunications infrastructure. And therefore, there are great synergies with the pushes we're making in health and ag, and uh, your, your fiber question here, um, and as Tony noted, uh, down to the 5G connectivity points. Okay, all right, well, thanks so much. Next question, please, Mihai. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, next question comes from Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good afternoon. Um, I just want to go back to Darren's comment about building profitable scale um, and maybe to get you to uh, expand a little bit on what your vision of that may look like. Um, are we talking about building uh, a simple telecom platform that adds it on top? Are we talking about like a software platform that aggregates various apps that sit on top, apps like that, that spans across agriculture, health, maybe even across customer segments? Um, and then maybe tie it back to the reporting and disclosure that Doug mentioned. Are we talking about, when you say telecom, segment? Are we talking about the comb combination of wireless and wireline into one segment now and you're going to report business and consumer or you're not going to get down to the wireline, wireless, EBITDA line? I'm just wondering in that new world whether, whether thing, how things will change uh, from, from a reporting perspective for telecom. Thanks. Okay. To be very explicit on the stratification, and uh, Francois, I'll ask you to top up with some specificity of 
the specific empirical parameters on health uh, and ag, because I think it would be good for the street to see the magnitude of what we've already uh, accomplished. Um, but Jeff, um, as a prerequisite to that, we're talking about a digital uh, platform um, with, yes, a software overlay on top of it as it relates to building service ecosystems on both health and ag, underpinned by broadband uh, technology. So that's the stratification of what we are uh, creating here. And Francois, why don't you just quickly provide some of the empirical parameters of the ecosystems uh, that we've built on that digital platform and where we're taking uh, our software uh, capability set with our application uh, ecosystems, again, leveraging our broadband technology, and in particular, uh, our data analytics related to that and the dynamic insights that we can glean. Thanks, Darren. So I'll provide that quick overview. So as you all know, you know we've been investing in healthcare as an example for the past decade, decade or more, more than 3.2 billion dollar across the end-to-end -end healthcare ecosystem, and we've uh, observed an increasing emphasis on chronic, chronic disease management, a focus on consumers and employers optimizing wellness, and the potential benefits that our network and innovative technology can deliver. We've built uh, an extensive digitized healthcare environment in Canada, building the backbone to enable more seamless and efficient flow of information across the healthcare spectrum. Uh, let me give you a few examples and a few KPIs of actually the reach that we've built. Um, our technology solutions actually handle health benefit management for over 12 million lives in Canada, so over approximately a third of, of Canadians. Um, we've developed primary care solutions like electronic medical records or practice management solutions that, that service today 28,000 physicians using our, our solutions across the country. We've developed um, through the pandemic and before the pandemic virtual care capabilities uh, that have been seeing exponential growth over the last little while, uh, whether it's our EMR solutions, virtual visit solutions that have seen hundreds of thousands of consultations in a very short time frame, or our virtual care solutions that are seeing now close to 1.7 or 1.8 million sorry, uh, subscribers seeing a 500% growth uh, year over year from 20 to 2019 to 2020. Similarly, in, in agriculture, um, but over a shorter period of time, over the last 18 months, we've assembled a suite of assets through a number of acquisitions that is second to none now in the world in terms of pure play software technology that is targeting one of the biggest social challenges that we have in our lifetime, which is the access to good quality food for all. And that, that issue is going to be compounding itself as the global population continues to grow over the next you know, decades. And so in a very short time frame, we've assembled a team that is now servicing customers in 57 dis different countries uh, and that has uh, over 160, 160 million acres under management, reflecting the incredible scale we've built over a short period of time, powered by 1,200 team members in 14 countries that are providing digital solutions to six out of the 10 
food suppliers, the top 10 food suppliers globally, or nine of the top 10 agriculture customers globally. And here, what we intend to do through our, our software capabilities is not just allowing farmers to be more efficient and producing better yield for their crops, but also being able to follow the, the safety and the quality of your food from the time we put a seed in the soil to the, to the, the, the entire food value chain down to your plate so that we can Im improve uh, um, yields, uh, reduce uh, wastage, and, and, and as I said at the beginning, allow a better food access for everyone across the globe. Mm -hmm. On your, your second one on segmentation, um, yes, that would mean that telecom would be one EBITDA, uh, but there would still be relevant metrics both on a KPI perspective, a revenue breakdown, um, and where relevant, um, you know, the high-level COGS breakdown uh, to allow that, that top-level um, assessment. And I think what the as we've had more and more convergence of our wireline and wireless operations, and we've been talking about this for years, more and more of the cost becomes shared. And I'd use the analogy that when we changed our reporting on uh, subscribers to connected devices to mobile, it changed um, you know, the behavior in our organization of, of focusing on what mattered most. And I think you can see that in our results. And this is another example of the focus points we're putting on the organization to deliver and deliver strong results and, and make sure we maximize the value and reduce any of those shared costs for the portion. And I think that will allow us to continue to manage our business, allocate capital effectively, um, and uh, continue to lead in the metrics that we've been um, leading to to date. And so uh, we'll make sure that we, we do a, a strong and meaningful transition with our IR supplement so that uh, there is no uh, stumble along the way that you'll still be able to interpret and see the value of all of our operations. Great, thank you. We have time for one more question, please. Of course. Um, next question comes from uh, Simon Flannery from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Great, thank you very much. Thanks for putting me in. Um, a number of the U.S. broadband carriers have suggested that on broadband in 2021, we should think about more like 2019 being a reasonable comp rather than 2020, given some of the uh, impacts from COVID and the pull forward of demand. It'd be great to get some thoughts about how, how you see it uh, for, for TELUS. And then thanks for the update on 5G. Good to see the coverage expanding. Any early learnings on cost performance, on, on usage patterns, enterprise interest that you could share with us? Okay, Simon. Um, as it relates to the comment on 2019, I, I think that's uh, fairly accurate. If, if you look at uh, how we set our budget um, for 2021, um, we did a normalization of the COVID uh, impact um, uh, in 2020, and we drew inference from uh, 2019 uh, to do our target uh, setting for 2021. Of course, the caveat uh, being that we still have uh, the COVID uh, legacy and its restrictions uh, impacting uh, us. So, you know, I think it was a smart move not to set a budget uh, where we're unduly benefiting from a 2021 over 2020 delta just because of the COVID dilution uh, in 2020. So, 
you know, we did a normalization uh, exercise in 2020. We drew inference from 2019 uh, to make sure that we were setting stretching ambitious targets uh, for 2021, and then we moderated them uh, according to our assumptions uh, as to, you know, how long the legacy on the COVID front uh, would last um, and the implications uh, associated with such. But the other thing that we did is to say, okay, you know, we're getting better and better and better at dealing with COVID. So, you know, uh, our ability to manage COVID uh, in March uh, of 2021 should be a lot better uh, than in March of, of 2020 because we've been recycling uh, the tuition value in terms of what we've learned along uh, the way. And I talked a lot about that uh, within my remarks. Um, and I've also talked about the way we're leveraging uh, our technology and our digital uh, capabilities and the way that we've been able to pivot um, our team uh, to work in a more virtualized uh, environment uh, so that we can deliver um, on the shareholder outcomes, the customer outcomes uh, that we think uh, are appropriate. And if you look at our year-over-year loading uh, on either mobility uh, or wireline in 2020 versus 2019, uh, it's a pretty strong story to, to say the very least. You know, and we delivered very strong uh, financial uh, results uh, to boot uh, in that regard, whether it's top-line revenue, whether you know, it's making it across uh, the finish line into the black uh, at the EBITDA level, which is quite a, a unique outcome, you know, or the fact uh, that we squeaked over the line uh, on the free cash flow front uh, as well related to our original uh, 2020 uh, guidance. And so you know, for TELUS, we've got the mentality that let's not use COVID as an excuse uh, let's use COVID as a digital acceleration uh, opportunity because that's where we're going with our business strategy and technology uh, in the first place. And boy, isn't it great that we've got, you know, digital businesses like TI, Telus Health, you know, and Ag that can do that. And then a smart team uh, on the wireless and the wireline front, you know, to answer the challenges that they're faced and innovate and invent new ways to deliver our solutions to customers that were better in 2020 than they were in 2019. And so, you know, I think that bodes well for the future. On the 5G front, you know, I think people should have been, and we try, if you go back and look at our comments, I don't know how many times we made the comment that 5G is a marathon, you know, not a sprint. You know, and, you know, one of the mistakes I think that's been made in various jurisdictions around the world um, is setting premature, um, expedient, uh, and super high expectations on what 5G is going to deliver. And, you know, what you've seen in certain markets is a little bit of lunch bag uh, letdown um, because people have not lived up in the near term to the expectations. Uh, 5G is fantastic, um, and it should have lofty expectations. But the timeline to realize uh, those lofty ambitions and commercialize them um, into services uh, that are deeply meaningful, first on the B2B front uh, and, you know, thereafter more ubiquitously on the consumer side of things, it's going to take time. You know, these things will come to fruition you know, when larger swaths of contiguous spectrum are made available, you know, as we go through mid-band uh, to high-band. So this is about, you know, not just 2021, what we can do from a coverage footprint uh, point of view, um, but what can we develop um, in terms of profitable products over 22, 23, you know, um, and, you know, and 24. Um, and, you know, that should be the way that we are positioning 5G and, you know, and educating, you know, the market uh, accordingly. Um, you know, for us, we exited 2020 with about 30% uh, coverage uh, on the 5G front. That represents about uh, 81 uh, communities. And we now have about 21 devices in terms of various, you know, models, 
you know, that are, are leveraging uh, 5G at the handset uh, level. And you can expect us, you know, to, you know, continue that progression uh, ardently uh, over the course of, you know, the next, you know, three to four uh, years. Um, and I think what's important is, is to know how TELUS operates. So, you know, what's the, what's the axiom for us as it relates to network performance? And the axiom for us is that we're going to continue to lead on speed, symmetry, low latency, coverage, and reliability. So, you know, what OpenSignal or Ookla or Tatella has said about us, you know, retroactively over the last three to four years, you can expect them to be saying, you know, the same thing about us, you know, prospectively. And, you know, the recipe for success, you know, at TELUS is let's combine network leadership across all the parameters that I've just articulated with the best customer service in the world enabled by great value propositions because 5G will be all about peace of mind for us and then innovate in terms of our channel strategy, including digital. That is the simplicity uh, of, you know, the recipe. And the other thing that, you know, people need to notice is that as we roll out 5G, don't forget to look at 4G because our LTE 4G network is outperforming a lot of 5G networks on a global basis. So, you know, we've got a one-two punch um, in, in that regard as we go through the transition to 5G uh, along the way, you know, that is particularly um, potent. And then, you know, look at the way 5G fits so beautifully with our automated home, consumer digital life, as Francois was saying, as it relates to health or ag, or, you know, Zeno was pointing out on the security front, you know, it's going to be a lot about enterprise solutions for us um, when you think about mobile edge computing and what we could do with network slicing and private networks that will support, you know, um, areas like manufacturing, fintech and the like. We think we can take our security business and do great things on smart cities and smart buildings in terms of the commercialization of that, you know, again, uh, on, the, on the B2B front. You know, when you talk about scale, I've, I've spoken at length about scaling health and scaling ag and security. You know, we want to scale our IoT business, and that's going to be, you know, deeply enabled by what we do on the 5G front. And then one of the things I don't hear people talking about uh, on 5G and fiber is cost reduction. You know, and so the cost per gigabyte, driving that down, driving that down, driving that down on an absolute basis, and then combining that with economies of scope. So getting more and more and more and more services over our 5G and fiber connectivity, our synergistic 5G and fiber connectivity, you know, to really take cost, you know, out of our business. Because if that can support, you know, a higher ARPU or ARPH, it can support better multi-product penetration. If it can lower our churn, if it can reduce failures or fewer truck rolls, you know, uh, you know uh, along the way, and if it can allow us to simplify our network and make it more of a digital, automated, self-serve network, that takes a lot of cost out of our business. You know, and even when you think about the synergistic complementary deployment of fiber and 5G, just within our fiber footprint, you know, within the next two years, we're going to completely decommission copper. And that's going to give us better simplicity, better homogeneity as we rip out, you know, our DSL infrastructure, better, you know, energy outcomes in terms of less energy consumption, but a lot of, you know, goodness in terms of that network simplification that's going to benefit, you know, the combination of fiber and 5G. And then lastly, 
We need to make sure that as we are generating voluminous data and how we construct those data hierarchies into meaningful data, that we mine that data and extract uh, value with our dynamic uh, insights um, and make sure that we commercialize that component of our business you know, to serve, you know, whether it's the B2B environment across all the verticals that I just talked about or interesting things that we can do with consumers on digital life. So it's, you know, it's exciting, but, you know, it's a modular program. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's starting with some nice speed steps, steps forward in, in 2021 and availability of devices, but the, the best is yet to come on that front as well. And, you know, people need to be patient as the products get developed along the way. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Darren, and thank you everyone for taking the time to join us today. Uh, please feel free to reach out to the IR team with any follow-up questions you may have, and take care, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the TELUS 2020 Q4 Earnings Conference Call. Thank you for your participation, and have a nice day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.